Hey everybody, welcome into the back room. I'm Andy Ostroy. Just want to say thank you for listening if you're listening. And uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts if you have any after you listen. So leave us a message at 845-307-7446. You can also email us at backroomandy at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Ostroy. And this is kind of important. Uh, if you do listen and you do like, leave a review because reviews are very important on uh, in the podcast world. Very excited uh, today to have as our guest, Matt Friend. He's an amazing uh, impressionist. Uh, we'll get to him shortly. I uh, do want to just make a special mention of Hurricane Ian. Our hearts do go out to those who've lost family members, lost their homes, their businesses. It's also important to point out uh, that these storms are getting worse and worse. You see that with tornadoes and fires and all kinds of stuff. And there's still a lot of people who not just uh, are election deniers, but they're climate deniers. And I think, you know, we should, we're going to do a show about that at some point because this is a really important uh, subject. Uh, so busy week, sitting here with Matt and Jen. Uh, fun times this week, as as always, right? Yeah, it's, it's it wasn't as busy as last week, but it was pretty busy. Yeah, it's so funny. Like a lot of stuff can happen, but if it's not catastrophic, it seems like it's a quiet week. Some special uh, Trump special. I always find myself wanting to say special masturbator news, but I just said it. Okay, so it's out there. I put it out there. Uh, Trump special master news. So just to sort of quickly summarize where we're at this week, as the story keeps changing, uh, Judge Aileen Cannon yesterday reversed Judge Raymond Deary's recent put-up-or-shut-up order. Raymond Deary, as you'll recall, is the special master requested by Trump, uh, appointed by Judge Cannon. And uh, this is a guy who is almost 80 years old and has uh, probably over three decades of experience on the bench, as opposed to Judge Cannon, who's 41 and has two years. And he had given Trump two weeks to submit a sworn affidavit specifically identifying the evidence that Trump is out there nonstop claiming that the FBI planted. Uh, and that was during the uh, August 8th raid on Mar-a-Lago, his resort down in Florida. Cannon appointed Deary to review the 11,000 documents that were confiscated. And he basically said to Trump, you've got to come into court and justify what you're saying out of court, which is Trump's usual MO. He usually tries his cases in the court of public opinion and then never goes into court and, and, and substantiates any of that with evidence because it would be illegal to do that. The interesting thing here is that because of the, the difference in experiences between Judge Cannon and Judge Deary, you know, when, when, when she reverses his order, which she did yesterday and said to Trump and his legal team, you don't have to do this. In effect, saying you can continue to say whatever bullshit you want out in the, in the court of public opinion, lie about the FBI, lie about the planted evidence, and you never have to walk into a court and back it up. When she does that, it, it would be like Harry Styles schooling Mick Jagger, right, on how to be a flamboyant frontman. All right, so I'm just going to leave that there. Roger Stone, uh, our favorite Dick Tracy character, was in the news this week. Uh, let's go to the clip on that. What they're assuming is that the election will be normal. The election will not be normal. Oh, these are the California results? Sorry, we're not accepting them. We're challenging them in court. If the electors show up at the, at the Electoral College, armed guards will throw them out. I'm the president. You. You're not stealing Florida. You're not stealing Ohio. I'm challenging all of it. And the judges we're going to are judges I appointed. You. You're not stealing the election. 
Let's just hope we're celebrating. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I suspect it'll be, I really do suspect it'll still be up in the air. But when that happens, the key thing to do is to claim victory. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. No, we won. F*** you. Sorry, over. We won. Yeah. You're wrong. F*** you. So, so, so that's the concept. Has it been pitched to the president? Yes, it has. I believe the president's for it. The obstacles are these, uh, are these lily-livered, uh, weak-kneed uh, bureaucrats in the White House counsel's office, and now they must be crushed because they've told the president something that's not true. All right, so I don't want to spend uh, more time than necessary on this asshole, but the important thing is if anybody is out there believing the big lie, believing that this election was legit stolen, all you need to do is listen to Roger Stone and that clip, that, that little montage, to understand that this was all a plot. This was a manufactured big lie that was created by Trump's team and Trump and force-fed to his base. It was planned from before the election, and there you have it. I mean, he, he's, he's admitting to it. And so anybody who listens to that and doesn't get angry that they've been completely, utterly duped, I don't know, you're, you're, you're some special kind of moron in my opinion, but that's me. Right? I mean, what do you make of all this? How do people listen to something like that if, if maybe they're not listening to it? But, and then still think, oh, this is, this is all real. Well, Roger Stone has come out and said that it's doctored and it's not really him saying that. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. It's always doctored. Everything's doctored. It's fake. Yeah. Fake news. Enemy of the people. Jen, any, any, any special masturbate or <laughs> uh, Roger Stone commentary? <laughs> I wish I could shed some light. I I don't have that much experience <laughs> with uh, that, you know, Roger Stone special masturbation. Hmm. Sorry. Okay. All right. Uh, Mitch McConnell was in the news this week. Let's go to that clip. In every election, every year, this year, past years, it's great to have terrific candidates. We're in a bunch of close races. I think we have a 50-50 shot of getting the Senate back. It's going to be really, really close either way, in my view. Now, you know when Mitch McConnell says he's got a 50-50 shot, he thinks it's completely over. Unfortunately, the polling has gone back and forth. So it, it seems the Republicans are dependent on two states, Nevada and Georgia. And their Masto in Nevada and Warnock in Georgia are neck and neck with their rivals. Yeah, Georgia is way tighter than it should be, considering that you have a really smart guy and an absolute moron running against each other. That's a compliment to Yeah, I mean, literally, uh, Herschel Walker can't string a coherent sentence together. And he's, he's neck and neck with a, a guy who's, who's brilliant, compassionate. It makes absolutely no sense. It's incomprehensible in that particular race. But I do think that, and maybe this is just me, but I don't trust anything um old mr turkey neck says so on he says 50 50 um to me it's not 50 50 it can't be 50 50 because he's never honest right so who knows he sounded pretty scared to me our favorite republican liz cheney was in the news this week let's go to that clip i'm gonna make sure donald trump i'm gonna do everything i can to make sure he's not the nominee and if he is the nominee i won't be a republican uh, i'm gonna do everything i can to make sure that carrie lake is not elected does that include campaigning for Democrats if that's what it takes? Yes. And if 
we do happen to have those Trump supporters out there listening, as I mentioned before. Uh, listen to that, those two clips, because that's what you call putting country before party. She does it again and again and again. She clearly, obviously, risked her career, having just recently lost her, her cong- congressional seat. And she's put her life in danger. And who knows what the future holds for Liz Cheney. Hopefully, one thing in the future for Liz Cheney is to come on this podcast. And I, I haven't given up. Uh, Liz, if you're out there, please, let's, let's do this. Uh, I'm your number one fan on the left, on the left side of the room. But time and again, this is what she's doing. And imagine if there were more Republicans like Liz Cheney uh, and Adam Kinzinger doing that. We would be in a totally different place in this country. Also, what came as a shock to many on the left this week, our friend, the demonic Ginny Thomas, took her shiny, bright, satanic smile into the halls of Congress to testify before the January 6th committee. Many people felt that that was never going to happen. She did it. And she was like, fuck it, I'm going to go in there and I'm still going to say this election was stolen. So I don't know why you guys want me in there. But apparently, if you listen to Chairman Benny Thomas and others, uh, Jamie uh, Raskin, apparently she delivered some interesting, valuable pieces of information, you know? Not under oath. Not under oath, correct. But stuff that they plan to potentially use during the next hearing, which was canceled because of Hurricane Ian. Uh, Ian. But the, just the, the idea that this woman is married to a Supreme Court justice who, who was the sole dissenting vote in the case uh, before the court where uh, they were ruling on whether texts, uh, Mark, uh, Mark Meadows texts and Ginny Thomas texts uh, should be provided. Uh, I, I mean, it's just mind-numbing. And according to her interview, um, she, they don't talk about that at all. They don't talk about cases ever. No. Just like most marriages. Yes. Thank yeah. you for pointing that you, out, Jen. You don't have to talk about anything Nothing. real you, and relevant. Married people don't, don't and shouldn't. No. Should not talk about anything. They should no. never talk. should never really hang out. And the marriages will probably last a lot longer that and, way. And there you limit, go. Limit the, the um, interaction. Correct. That's the secret mm-hmm. to a... a, a and her husband marriage. is not interested in anything political. At all. Yeah. No. But he happened to have just voted... Uh, being the lone dissenting vote. Coincidence, obviously. Last but not least, my favorite gal of all gals, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Her husband filed for divorce. (laughs) I can't even do this with a straight face. He filed for divorce this week, uh, claiming that their marriage, shockingly so, was irretrievably broken. So for all you, uh, again... For the Trumpsters out there listening to this podcast, Madge is single now. She's single. She's out there. She's on the market, which got me thinking, what would her dating app profile, what would her Bumble profile be like? 48-year-old batshit crazy gun-toting Georgia Peach, obsessed with Donald Trump, Jewish space lasers, and gazpacho police, seeks racist insurrectionist mensch, equally comfortable with violently storming the Capitol, or just chilling at home with Netflix and Jack Daniels. Guys, get in line quickly because she's not gonna she's not gonna be free for long. Okay, that kind of quality woman is gonna get snapped up. So it's probably and, too late already. Yeah, and she's like, you know, she you know she's probably got a prompt that's like, election denier is a plus. You know, if you're hyping, I'm swiping. Anyway, uh, there you go, fellas. She's single.
Very excited for today's guest. Uh, he is Matt Friend. He is a 24-year-old phenom, in my opinion. 24-year-old comedian, actor, impressionist. He's got 700,000 followers on, on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. He's appeared everywhere from The Today Show and Jimmy Kimmel Live to Good Day, uh, Good Day LA. He does over 250 showbiz and political impressions. He's won Kenan Thompson's Ultimate Comedy Experience at Caroline's on Broadway, performed stand-up across the country, and was just selected to headline at The Stand for the 2022 New York Comedy Festival. He's literally blowing up on the internet. Uh, I don't know where he came from, but we're going to find out. Matt, welcome into the back room. It is so good to be here. Thanks for having me. You're quite welcome. It's, uh, I can't tell you how excited I've been to do this uh, with you this week. Um, so I, I was going to say that, you know, uh, let's talk about the young Matt friend, but you're, you're still the young Matt friend. You're only 24. So we're going to go back to the really, really, uh, semi embryonic Matt friend. And, uh, <laughs> so I, I heard, heard a story that, uh, you tell that, uh, Austin Powers has the film Austin Powers, which by the way, uh, along with, uh, Ace Ventura and Pee Wee's Big Adventure are three of the best films ever made. But that film was your inspiration when you were four years old and you started doing impressions after watching that film. Is that that's a true story? Yeah, no, it's it's entirely true. I uh, I I think it, my dad, my it was like my dad's birthday party uh, at, at my childhood home and they wanted to find a way to get me to shut up, I think. So they finally gave in and allowed me to watch to watch this movie. I don't know if people remember, but the DVD um, of the first film was very bright and it was just very exciting for a, a little kid to see. So I was very intrigued by it for whatever reason. And they allowed me to watch it. And from then on, I, I kind of became mesmerized by it. And I remember actually that party, I was asking all of my parents, friends, if I made them Randy, I had no clue what the hell I was talking about, but, but still. <laughs> and so did, 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 did you shot out of a rocket at that point? Did it just, did you become obsessed with doing impressions going forward after watching that film? Was that, was that your start? You know, I love, I love, I, I, yeah, I was shot out of a rocket that, that, that I like that. I like describe, I like describing it that way. Yes. Um, from then on. Yeah. I mean, I kind of just became very obsessed at this young age after that movie. I kind of did. I, now I can call it a journey, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, but I grew up with YouTube. Um, so I was, I had all this information kind of at my, at my fingertips and I was looking up every Johnny Carson, Ed Sullivan, uh, Don Rickles, Rich Little clip that I could find. I become very interested in like old show business for mm -hmm. whatever reason. Um, seeing even like young George Carlin appearances. On, that's how I first discovered George Carlin, by the way, the, the young cleaned up version of him on, on the Ed Sullivan show. Uh, so I don't know why it happened, but I just, was really into comedy at that young age. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned Rich Little, and I was going to ask you who really served as your idols uh, when you were younger and and on that rocket. You know, you, back in the day, uh, I'm a, I'm a just slightly little bit older than you, but uh, besides Rich Little, we had Frank Gorshin and John Biner. And then uh, moving into the 80s and beyond, it was like Eddie Murphy and Jim Carrey, Dana Carvey, all the SNL people, Phil Hartman, Tina Fey, 
Kate McKinnon, more recent, Maya Rudolph, Jay Farrow, Bill Hader, Chloe Feynman. Like, there are people that are so good. Who do you look at? Who did you look at when you were, you know, in the single digits and then in your teen years? And then who do you look at today as, like, great impressionists? Well, first of all, you know, that's how I get dates. You know, I just say, hey, you ever heard of Frank Gorshin? Yeah, that's what the young kids like these days. Uh, wait, wait, wait. But, you, don't, you, don't, you don't use your Trump voice to pick up women? Because I hear that uh, well, he's, well, he's Andy, very Andy, good Andy, with the women. Excuse me. Excuse me. When you're a star, they let you do it, right? You can do anything. <laughs> but we're going to get over that and do another discussion, right, Henny? But anyways, uh, <laughs> so you got me started. You can't do that. That's a problem. But um, By the way, I, I could listen to that all day. Seriously. Well, I, I appreciate Excuse me. I appreciate that and we're going to circle back. But anyways, uh, <laughs> I, I think, you know, for me, the big inspirations as a kid, Seth MacFarlane's always been a really big one in my life. I loved Family Guy as a kid. And um, in addition to just that show, I mean, I just love his style of, of comedy. In Family Guy, there's cutaway humor. I just always really loved that. Like when Peter would set something up and then it would cut away to something quickly. Um, and also this the musicality and kind of rhythm to the show and the characters of that show. I really loved that. Bill Hader is a big one for me too. Phil Hartman as well. Dana Carvey, like you said. Um, Fallon, of course. Mm -hmm. You know, all, all, all these all these people I think have had a huge influence. Especially Hank Azaria, uh, wow. you know, with his good one. voice and character work. Who's actually my dad's roommate in college, uh, fun fact. So he kind of set me, like got me very inspired at a very young age as well i think he had he had a huge huge influence on me too um and um yeah but you know and it, it started like i said watching these carson and then it kind of me discovering somewhat modern snl people phil hartman who i do who's in my repertoire of voices as well which the kids might not remember <laughs> um and then now of course hater and there's just there's just so many yeah so Let's let's get to Trump because your your Trump is it's transcendent. I mean, it is beyond. You're like you're more Trump than Trump, without deviating from Trump. Like if somebody came and said to Donald Trump, "You need to do this. You need to to sound better." Like you're that version. You're the the you're actually him. It's unbelievable. I do it. I do it. Yeah, I'm that version without you know exaggerating how big my apartment is. Um, but yeah, <laughs> or or anything else is exaggerated yeah. <laughs> on on you. Um, but you you nail the tone, uh, the vocal cadence, the 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 syncopation, the rhythms, uh, his mannerisms, the shoulder moves, the head bobbing, the, every tick. Uh, the hands, like the the verbal non sequiturs, like it's a it's literally Trump. I mean, how do you do that? It's crazy. Well, you know, you were asking about inspirations before. Like, you know, uh, my goal in my comedy is I try to go for vocal and physical accuracy as close to a hundred percent as possible, and then infuse that with my own comedic take. Because, like, Rich Little as an example. He was doing like he was doing comedy, but he was mainly doing impressions like, you know, that was kind of the thing without adding much of his own kind of version onto it. Mm -hmm. And I kind of try to go for the accuracy of Rich Little and merge that with kind of the comedic element of like Phil Hartman, Dana Carvey. So then I'm kind of just trying to bridge the gap between impressions and comedy. But with the Trump thing, it's evolved, right, because it started in a very interesting way. 
So what I did was I looked at the voice and it's evolved like no one's ever seen. And what you do is you analyze different people. I have a bit that I do in the clubs that you're going to love this, Andy. You're going to love this. It's going to be better than Phineas. You can tell him that, right? And uh, we have this bit in the clubs that we do where I talk about Donald Trump analyzing different impressions of him. So basically what he does is he says, uh, Alec Baldwin does me and it's so disgusting. It sounds nothing like me, right? He's like, we've got a great show. It's going to be fantastic. Boopity, 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 bah. I don't sound like that. Then you have Stephen Colbert. Colbert does me. He's a lying dog. He's a liberal elite. He does this. He's like, I know. A dot, dot, dot. A dot, dot. A dot, dot, dot. And I don't say dot, dot, dot. And then you have Jimmy Fallon, who's pathetic and weak, right? Fallon does this. He's like, okay. Okay, we're rolling. Okay. I'm going to talk about this fake news. I only, I don't even say fake news that much, so... It's an analysis and it's a beautiful thing. And thank you for the kind words. It's beautiful. I, I loved your video where you, you did Trump critiquing Jamie Foxx doing Trump. That was brilliant. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, that he, he was amazing too. Jamie's, he was really, really great. Um, and uh, I actually, I got to meet him. I was at, I, I met him randomly just at the US Open and uh, he was there and we, and he had seen my videos and it was it was hilarious. He he's fantastic. When you guys yeah, my, when, my bit I was gonna say, when you meet someone who does Trump, is it become like an eighties rap off? Like where do you guys just start doing your Trump together? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's kind of what happens. We just pretend we're in the access Hollywood bus and we just all, we just start going we just start going at it. My bit on Trump is uh if you want it for your for your listeners, the secret to a Trump impression. All you really have to do is whenever you're telling a story, just mispronounce all the main characters' names and all the key words in the story. So like this is how I imagine Trump would describe the plot of Harry Potter. He'd be like, here's the deal. There was this boy wizard and his name was Harry Potter. Okay. The guy was a disaster, believe me. And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. He befriended these two losers. They were called Rune and Hermione. They were so nasty, right? And the headmaster's name was Albus Dumbledore. He might have been gay. A lot of people are saying it, but that's another subject. And you look at the writer, J.K. Rowling, who has one of the most gorgeous Twitter feeds anybody's ever seen. Thank you very much. Thank you. So that you got the rhythm. There you go. <laughs> By the way, I meant to say this earlier. I, I've been watching Impressionists literally since I was like 10, back in 1969. And okay. uh, and this is this is not bullshit. I think you are probably the best I have ever seen. And I'm not talking about just Trump, but I'm talking about everything you do. You're only 24, which is phenomenal that you can do what you do at 24. It's frightening to think about what you're going to be like at 34. Uh, but you are that good with Trump. You're being modest, like you know anybody could say, "Oh, we're going to mispronounce a name and be funny, Trump," but. The voice, I, I want to know, was it easy for you at the beginning to do him? Like, did, did did you spend three months going, God damn it, I can't do Trump? And then finally there was that breakthrough? Or was he easy from the get-go? You know, I traveled to Moscow. I got all the intelligence I could. And I just wanted to really dig deep and research the character. Did That's you, how did I you, did, it. No, did you it, sleep in the pee-pee bed? I slept in the pee-pee bed and it, I just, excuse me, Andy, I smelled like a dog. I smelled like Rosie O'Donnell, right? But anyways, it's not me again. This is Trump saying this, but uh, <laughs> no, but um, you know, it, it's evolved, um, you know, doing these voices and impressions, like I can hear it changing. So I have, 
hundreds, maybe thousands of videos of me recording onto my phone, you know, doing a Trump voice or not even just Trump, just various other impressions from years ago. And I can hear it from four years ago. I'm like, that didn't really sound so much like him. But hmm. these things can evolve. Like with Obama, too, you know, different voices that I do, they evolve. Like with the Barack Obama voice, that has changed dramatically <laughs> as well. So it's about practicing and speaking into the mirror um, and really just annoying the shit out of everybody who's near you by nonstop talking like crazy. So, but it evolves. Yeah. What is the secret to doing Trump today? Like the, the evolved Trump that you've arrived at. In, if you had to say it in one or two sentences, it's, what, what is it's the secret? It's stream of conscious. It's just batshit crazy. Uh, you know, like that's the beauty of the impression, especially because I'm doing so much stand up and live performing. It's really fun to do that on stage because I can really just say whatever the hell I want. And if someone's heckling me, I can put them down as Trump, uh, which is a lot easier to do because I couldn't say shit your mouth, honey, as myself. But I could <laughs> as Donald Trump. You um, could, but you but probably it, wouldn't it, have a very good sex I would not, life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or career. But um. You know, I think it's stream of conscious because like if you give me a subject, I can really talk about anything as him. Like if you give me any subject, I can just make shit up, you know, like get, like we can do a quick one as an example. Like, like give me a subject. OK, uh, how about the special masturbator? When you talk about the masturbation and nobody's been doing rubbing and tugging like Don I, I really I have the best technique. And you talk about masturbation, how beautiful it is and. I actually, I've done a lot of masturbating. I studied masturbation at Penn. I was in class with one of the great presidents, Abraham Lincoln, who told me a little secret. He said that when you masturbate, you got to be in the zone and you got to be focusing like hell and tugging and rubbing and you got to squirt. Okay, that's the gorgeous thing. And you talk about that and it's very good. They're saying that masturbation can reduce the risk of COVID which is a true thing if you inject that into your system. That's what happens. And you talk about how it's really just affecting the brain, right? And you talk about the brain and the people that are doing it. And NFTs are just one of the great things we've been talking about. And you see what's happening with the Mona Lisa. And it's just one of the paintings. It's very sexy. And you masturbate to it. And that's what they're saying. And you're talking about the problem. And that's what you're going to say. But just James is a dog. And she knows it. I knew you were going to get to Tish James somehow. That you was see, that just was, happened. That was brilliant, and this is what I mean about being transcendent. But you, but the voice you you got his essence clearly down. But how do you nail that voice? I try. I've been a frustrated impressionist my whole life. I can do some impressions. I can't see. I tell these guys every 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 week we're here. I can't. I can't do him. I could see you do him. I could see other people do him. I, there's something that my ear, and I have a pretty good ear, it won't let yeah. me get in that groove. Is there a trick to getting in his groove? Is it the throat? Like, like I don't well, know. It, it's, there's a lot of the, the trick, you know. Um, you know, I think it's, um, it's a very, doing impressions, I mean, like comedy, like any other, whatever you want, I, I call it an art form, or I don't know, that sounds kind of pretentious, but like whatever you want to call it. It For me, it's just, because people ask me, like, what is the, like, what's my process behind doing an impression or a voice? I don't really think of it in terms of a process. It's kind of like a personality. I think Don Rickles said comedy is a personality. Mm -hmm. And it's true. I mean, it's like 
I will be walking down the street as Prince Philip from The Crown. Like I'll I'll be walking and I'll just have my arms behind my back and I say, oh my God, the sky is gorgeous today. Yes, ibble, 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 do. Yes, that's great. And it just kind of, I'm like talking to myself, mm -hmm. not in a psychotic way, because that would really be problematic, but it kind of just happens. And um, and this was the obsession that I had just at a young, at a young age, just, just watching TV shows and movies and, and I just start, my sister recently called me a glorified parrot. So that's kind of what I, what I am, mm, I guess. Well, but um, that's a good way to put it. I, the, the other important thing, too, though, at least for what I'm trying to do is there, it has to have a substance, too, because I'm a comedian, not just doing impressions. So like when I first started doing performing, I would just do some voices and that was a cute thing and some talent or whatever. And that was it. But now. The writing of it, there has to be substance behind it, and that's what makes it even better. Do you have any improv background? I did a bunch of classes like at Second City and mm -hmm. Improv Olympic, uh, and, and I grew up in Chicago right near Second City, about five minutes away. Mm -hmm. um, so I did some of that when I was younger, um, a little bit in college, but mainly my my stuff is stand up and mm -hmm. that's kind of how i'm coming up and through social media Be because unless you're a chronic masturbator that bit you did before uh <laughs> off the top of your head no pun intended uh yeah. to me sounded like you had some improv background you know well like there's improv and yeah, that's true yeah it happened i i think yeah i mean improv i that's kind of what i do on stage too though as well because i'm doing a lot of crowd work these days and sometimes writing on stage um so that's definitely a strength of mine, for mm -hmm. sure. I think you, there's uh, you got some, you know, the, the the Trump space. There's some competition. Uh, everybody's great, you know. Everybody has their own interpretation of, of Trump. You mentioned Alec Baldwin before, which is kind of he's like a like to me as a viewer, he's more like a like a grossly exaggerated piece of performance art. Like he's taken it to a a fantasy level. Then you have uh, Anthony Adamantic, um, who took Trump and made him kind of like a silly buffoon on his president show. Uh, James Austin Johnson, who's great, who's on SNL. Um, he's described his process as being more like channeling like an abstract stream of consciousness. I think the, the thing that I love so much about your Trump is that it feels like you, you recognize that Trump, unlike other human beings, is actually a walking abstract. Like he is a walking stream of consciousness. Like you don't have to make yep. up. Like when you the, the, again the the masturbation bit. Like the the crazy and ultimately yeah. chilling thing about Donald Trump is that you can actually can, like he he could be saying that what you did before about masturbation. It's not a stretch to think that he wouldn't actually do that whole thing. And, well, and it's so not you, a stretch. Yeah, it's not a stretch. It's true. Yeah, like so you you're you're doing. It's like his Trump is is like walking material. He is material. He is. You know. Yeah. No. Well. Yeah. No. For sure. I mean, that's why there's kind of been a Trump boom in comedy. It's like you know, so much of late night is entirely composed of Trump jokes in the monologue. I mean, there's just endless. Yeah, but I, I think you're um, you're taking it to a different place. You are thank you. Like you, thank you. literally, if he needs like a, I was gonna say body double, but if he needs <laughs> like a, a, you know, like a, yeah. what's that thing that, uh, key, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, the Key and Peele guy who did the, uh, tr yeah, the, the Obama, the anger translator, the, the anger translator yeah. right? Yeah, um, Luthar or whatever the guy's yeah, name was. Right. Yeah, right. Do you do any yeah. of the uh, any of Trump's mutant offspring? 
Any of his any of his kids? You're yeah. saying? Is there any white powder anywhere? Maybe that makes the impression easier. <laughs> but uh, you know, let me guess. No, that's I, junior, you're I, talking about. Yeah, I got I got to work on those guys. Uh, well, a, a big one now actually is Ron DeSantis. So basically, what I found is. So DeSantis is kind of a version of his offspring as well. He lives in the back of the throat over here, and he kind of plays the accordion, too. I know this isn't visual, but he moves his arms in the same way that Donald Trump does. And I actually had a joke recently, which was I was in a comedy club performing in Miami, and the club was in full, so I decided we would just send the people I put on the plane into the clubs to fill up the empty seats. That was the strategy. Yeah, but he's he he's uh he's an interesting one too. I and he's kind of the closest I can do to his offspring because DeSantis kind of feels like one of his sons. I want to ask you, you do DeSantis, you do, and I'm gonna ask you in a minute uh, about some other people you do in, yeah, in politics. But are you political, or do you just watch these guys? And to you, it's like, oh my god, this is like a wealth of material. Or are you actually sitting there and watching CNN, MSNBC, or whatever all day, getting really angry like the rest of us? I mean. You know, my I actually went to NYU and I went to the school called Gallatin at NYU. You kind of like make your own major. Uh, and uh, I wrote and studied about the role of satire in society. Um, and uh, it sounds like a very 2020 major. Yes, it does. <laughs> but um, I, uh, you know, my viewpoint is now in comedy, you, you can't really... Um, I think you have to kind of be political. Um, you like... There's a famous, not actually, there's not, it's not so famous, but I know it. Johnny Carson was interviewed like for, by Barbara Walters, I think years ago, and she asked him about getting political. And Carson replied, well, why would I want to piss off half my audience? Yeah. I wouldn't want to do that. Well, it's and like, it's like Michael Jordan. Or, Michael Jordan said, hey, you know, yeah, Republicans buy sell, sneakers. You Republicans know? buy, yeah. But, and Carson said like, yeah, he was like, his viewpoint was that uh, once a comedian takes a, a strong view, you get a sense of self-importance or whatever. And mm -hmm. I think it's evolved now, though. You know, for me, like, that's why Colbert, you know, Kimmel, you know, they're, you know, there's a kind of a dominating force there in their comedy in terms of taking a political viewpoint. And um, yeah, I'm a, I'm very political. Um, you know, I uh, I'm very into I mean, my comedy isn't just politics, but um, I'm very into, you know, what's happening in the country always and i think it's pretty clear what do you think it's pretty clear like which side i'm obviously leaning towards right <laughs> because you know it's it's just a, a lot easier to lampoon republicans these days because um because they're terrible for the yeah. most part so but, in terms of the modern republican party you mentioned johnny carson who you you do an amazing yeah. johnny carson as a yeah. young person who's grown up in the age of tiktok and youtube and all that do you yeah. do you kind of sit back and go damn i wish i wish johnny carson and that show was still around and i could go on like the old comics used to and you know if johnny gave you the thumbs up that was like the holy grail like do you do you sort of lament, uh, lament like that that doesn't happen anymore, that kind of thing? Well, that's an interesting question. I mean, it, it would be very cool to have had that experience, but no, because the way I'm coming up now is actually, I think, even better if you know how to play the game and if you are willing to do that and put in the work. So, you know, before the only way to make it was to do your five minutes set on Carson. And now I can make a video from my kitchen and get more views than I might have gotten on his show. Mm -hmm. um, so... The things that I've been doing, you know, uploading um, so much content onto social media during the pandemic um, has led to just so many 
crazy things uh, for me. Like within the first week of or the first month of the pandemic, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco is one of my favorite comedians, mm. was guest hosting on Jimmy Kimmel. And then he talked about my impression of him on the air. And then like a month later, I was a guest on the Today Show with Hoda and Jenna. And I've done all these different various shows. I'm happy to be here with you now as well. Andy, thank you for having well, me. We're bigger, uh, than, we're bigger than the Today Show, actually. That's great. Okay. Well, hello, everybody. What I can tell you is this is Donald John Trump. It's a bit of a surprise to hear me on the back room. Personally, I'm not a backroom guy. I'm more of a grab by the poontang kind of guy. But that's okay. We don't like the back. We like the front because when you're a star, they let you do it. But Andy knows he booked a real talent. He had a lot of people in the past. He had Apatow and Phineas. And he said, we're going to book a real star this time. Somebody who grabs them by the puss. I'm not going to finish it. It's a real talent. It's my dear friend, Mr. Matthew friend. He's a friend to us all. And his rate at Mar-a-Lago is $4 million for a private party. So thank you very much. And Andy's a beautiful guy, and he's a silver fox. He has a beautiful house. And the promo is way too long. He's in upstate New York. The promo was supposed to be two seconds, right? But with Trump, it has to be two minutes. So enjoy the show. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Thank China. you. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that. Your... your um... Your repertoire of impressions, yeah. which goes through politics and show business, is extensive, right. uh, hundreds. Uh, some of my favorites that you do, Goldblum is like, again, better than Goldblum himself. Uh, your Leave Schreiber is incredible to me. Um, Rami Malik, I could just see you do the face and I'm on the floor like in a puddle of laughter. Um, I think you said you're, you're, you're on record saying your favorite is Jennifer Coolidge. You do Jennifer Coolidge. That's a fun one these days, yeah. All right. Uh, but you also, I'm just going to run through these real quick. You do Fauci and Bernie Sanders, Mitch McConnell, Ted Cruz, DeSantis you did, Obama you did. Um, uh, Gavin Newsom, I love when you open the shirt. Like, that is just a touch that is brilliant. Uh <laughs> Um, Howard Stern yeah. is crazy. Timothy Chalamet, my teenage daughter, loves Timothy Chalamet. Sebastian Maniscalco is funny as hell, and you do a great impression. John Oliver, uh, John Oliver, Paul Giamatti, Tim Cook. Who the hell? Who the hell does Tim Cook? You do Tim Cook. Roger Federer. Like you do these guys that are like so obscure but amazing. Andy Cohen, which I noticed by the way when you do Andy Cohen, there's that, that simple, that similar Trump thing. Like he goes to the same throaty place. Um, but uh, if you don't mind, let's do a little. Can we do a little lightning round of uh, impressions? Let's absolutely. Let's do it. Let's start with your favorite, Jennifer Coolidge. Oh God. Oh fuck. I want to. Squeeze that microphone you're using and just rub it up against my back. Oh, yeah. That one's tough. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. Goldblum. Oh, my golly. Wait a minute. Pitter pat, pitter pat. Yes. I like this podcast. Very sensual experience. <laughs> uh, Mr. Andy Astray, he's a silver fox. Very luxurious creature. Very liberal, of course. Uh, I'm enjoying your politics, your show. Yes, very good shape. I'm enjoying you enormously, you you goblin creature. Uh, there may be trouble ahead. Genius. Fauci. <laughs> Well, all you need to know is that in order to begin doing this increasingly rare process of the Tony Fauci impersonation, 
is that when you do it, make sure you're wearing a mask, even if you're in the studio with a mic. Let's get a little Leif Schreiber and make sure you get enough Boston in there. That's great. Okay. Well, fuck you for saying that. Hi, this is Leif Schreiber. You might recognize my voice from the great show Hard Knocks. And on Ray Donovan, I go a little bit more fucking Boston. Fuck you, Mick. You're a prick. And by the way, because we're on the podcast, you know who you are, the actor who plays my dad, Mick, in the show. I'm not going to say your name, but let's just say you're wrong about the president, the former president. Thank you very much. <laughs> Bernie Sanders. Ho, ho, ho. Mr. Osborne, it is very good to be here right now. All I can say is we are in the top 10th of 1% of podcasts. We must come together to book more high-profile guests. Sure that you do. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Let's get a little Howard Stern. Right. So I got to tell you, I've been waiting for this one. Now, this is unbelievable. Hey, now, when you talk about, now, Andy, uh, this guy's hilarious. When he has guests on the show, it's crazy. He talks to Phineas, and he didn't even ask the guy one of my questions. I wanted to ask this guy. Now, you're a young guy, right? You're making all this music. You have a beautiful girlfriend, but you must be getting so much ass. I mean, if you really wanted to, you could be you could be just tearing up a storm. You're a nice guy. You're grounded, right? You're a grounded guy. But talk to me about the ass. I mean, Robin, this guy's a sexy guy. Hey, now. Oh, my God. I literally, I could sit here all day, all day. You're, you're amazing. I mean, you're amazing. The, you know, the fun thing about Howard, by the way, now that we're on the subject, is that when you do Howard Stern, if you bring it up just a little bit, that's when you get Alan Alda, who's up here in this part of the throat, <laughs> then you bring it back down and you get Howard Stern. That's really interesting. I, I want to ask you about that. Are there other people besides Stern and Alda where, like, if you yeah. just amp it up a little or bring it down a there little, are. there's somebody else? Yeah. Like Milo Ventimiglia from This Is Us and Nicholas Braun from Succession, Cousin Greg. Hey, all right, buddy. Hey, it's Milo Ventimiglia. Hey, big three on three. Hey, Randall. Then, then you go Nicholas Braun like, uh, okay, uh, <laughs> uh, Tom, uh, what, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, and then, yeah, well, Tom Wamskamps is over here. Hey, buddy. Hey, cocksock. Fuck off, little one. <laughs> you know, I have a dick the size of a red sequoia and I fuck like a bullet train. And then it's Army Hammer who's over here. You can't really do him anymore because, you know, he's canceled. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you very much. But anyways, yeah, impressions can morph. It's kind of insane. And now I want to get you down, Andy. I, I really am motivated. I'm as nondescript as you as you come. So I'd I'll be really impressed if you can do it. But how about well, like that a, is, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how about yeah. some of... How about, how about like De Niro? Do you do a De Niro or a Pacino? I do. Actually, those are what I like to call the airplane food impressions, because doing a De Niro and a Pacino is like being a stand-up comedian. Talking, What's the deal with airplane food? Uh, but De Niro, hoo Oh, yeah. What more can I say? Oh, can I get a cappuccino, please? <laughs> it's like, and then De Niro, you kind of you have to see the face, but it's kind of like Leah. He's like, pretty good. Fuck you, fucker. I'm looking at you. <laughs> anyway, it's tough. That's a tough one. <laughs> All right. Now, everyone has a, 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 a Christopher Walken. Do you got a Christopher Walken? Well, very nice. <laughs> very great time on the show. What more can I say? It needs a little more cowbell. All right. Dana Carvey, we mentioned him before. One of the funniest things I ever heard him say yes. was doing yes. each Beatles member. Oh, my God. It was brilliant. What? Well, yeah, and John, John Lennon's, uh, you know, John, John, and Paul, and John, John's over here, you know, a little bit more on the nasal, mm -hmm. in the part of the nose. I mean, you get Paul, 
and John and Paul and John. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> Dana came up at a different time. We do the young people, right? You know, that's good. I, I'm, I'm focused on Austin Butler, the guy who played Elvis. That, that's what I'm focusing on. <laughs> How about Lindsey Graham? Do you do Lindsey Graham? Lindsey, Lindsey Graham. <laughs> Lindsey Graham's one I have to work on a little bit. He's got sort of like a weird kind of a Southern vibe. People are wondering like why I'm not married, you know, and why I'm so against LGBTQ. I think it's pretty obvious <laughs> if you have to, if you have to, uh, if you had to guess, you know, I think it's, you know, you know, the thing about Lindsey Graham is that when you bring it over a little bit, you also get Ted Cruz, <laughs> who's very nasal over here, Cancun Ted. And all I can say is that this radical liberal leftist podcast that Andy is having me on, it makes me sick to my stomach. And you are spewing the lies of the Democrat Party. Oh, my God. Uh, and I'm going to give you a little challenge if you haven't tackled this one yet. Can you do Marjorie yeah. Taylor Greene? Um, Who's now single, by the way, in case you're interested. Yeah. I don't know if you're single, but if you are, hey. I'm worried if I do it, I'm going to like combust. So I'm going to skip that one. <laughs> I'm going to like blow up or something like, like just contort into some like become like some puddle of green goo. Yeah. Who um, why do you choose some people versus others? Can you imagine if I just sat back here, reclined in my chair and said, you know, I don't, Andy, I don't, I don't choose the impression. The, the, the impression chooses me. <laughs> no, but uh, I, you just you said know, it. It, uh, it uh, the, yeah, the, you know, sometimes, you know, because we were talking about a process earlier, sometimes I will, you know, if someone like books me for some project and I will have to study and get a voice down, I can pretty, I can figure it out. Male ones are easier, I would say as opposed to female ones. But um, I kind of just see what might be happening, you know, a popular TV show or some relevant political figure, like who people are talking about. Uh, but that at the same time, I also love doing the niche impressions that no one's really going to mm -hmm. necessarily know. Right. Um, and are there preferred voice types? Like are there certain tonal qualities you look for or cadence and rhythms? You know, and... You know not, not, not necessarily. Um, you know, I, I mean, like, well, Sometimes maybe like one with a little bit like a rich de depth to it might be easier, but you know, not really, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Who have you tried to do that you just can't do that you can't that you're stumped? I well, I want to. Well, it's funny we're talking about Phineas. First of all, I heard the episode; it was so great. I'm a big fan of his, and I want to get him down. And I know I'm going to get him down. Uh, I, I, I'm going to get him down for sure. He's one. I want to get Joe Rogan down, honestly. <laughs> Uh, because I, if I could do a Howard Stern and Rogan thing, that one is somehow tough for me. I, I really want to nail him. Um, and uh, let, me, let me think who else. Um, are there people that you think are are so easy to do? Like when I think of Trump, yeah. to me, it's like, I should be able to do, I can't. Like, Well, let's who's... hear it. Let, let, no, I can't. You don't want to hear it. It's 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 Come on. complete embarrassment. It's let's, let's hear two seconds of it. No, nah, okay, I, I just can't. Bye, bye. I can't even give you two seconds. I, I can't. You felt like a dog, Andy. That's okay, honey. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I just there's something. Is yeah. I don't know whether I just hate him so much that I can't let yeah. him into my ears. I don't know what it is, but um, that's probably it. Are, are there people that you think you start out doing, going, "Wow, this guy should be easy to do," or this, you know? But I can't, I just can't do it. Um, that's an interesting question. Um. There are sometimes people like figures where like they're so famous or so talked about that I'm like, yeah, I, sh I don't know how I can't really why I'm struggling with the voice. 
Like take Finney, um, Phineas, for example, okay? Yeah. Like if I was to try to do Phineas's speaking voice, I would think, I don't yeah. know, he seems kind of nondescript. He's just, he's got a great voice, but there, the singing yeah. voice might be easier because there's like sort of a raspy, like, you know. Yeah. He say he says he says he says you know a lot you know you know he's like um you know he's very well spoken sophisticated mm -hmm. smart he knows guy. words mm -hmm. he knows words like etymology like I I think I would have been stumped I I, I wouldn't know what like he I, knows I words he uses yeah, he knows Phineas has the best words right <laughs> <laughs> he's got some great words like no one's seen the words he's got Billie Eilish she's a great singer she is the Ella Fitzgerald of today okay anyways you got here's the problem anyway okay <laughs> so once you bring up Trump you never know what's gonna happen um with Phineas I I want I'm gonna circle back to you on that one because I'm gonna I'm gonna nail that one down do you here's a question that just popped into my head all right you know when you yeah. go to like a you know, a concert of somebody who's been around for 50 years and they like just like Neil Young. I saw Neil Young. All he wanted yeah. to do was the new stuff. Oh, and we were, man, look at my life. And we were like, Neil, yeah. we don't want to hear the new stuff. We want to see, we, That's we right. want to hear the old stuff. That's interesting. Okay. Yep. Do you see yourself getting, because it's clear you really love doing Trump right now. But is there I a do, moment yeah. where like people are going to be screaming free bird at you like 10 years from now, like Trump, well, and you're like, I'm not doing Trump. I retired Well, Trump. that's interesting. That's really interesting question. The good news is, you know, I do, I do, over 250 impressions and voices and when i'm, I'm doing a full hour of stand-up now um i'm actually doing like an hour at the new york comedy festival in november mm -hmm. uh and trump isn't a big part of it like he's maybe maybe he's like he's he, maybe five minutes of it um mm -hmm. is is trump wow. stuff but um i do a lot of that on twitter and stuff as well um but no, I'm not really going to care i mean i i enjoy doing it because i think it's very it's like fun and vocally accurate and people are surprised but there are so many more that I'm doing um, that, you know, I'm I'm not like necessarily like a just like a Trump impersonator at like a, a, a at like a someone's birthday party or something. Yeah. Well, so like uh, ten years from now, when you're when you're doing like ten nights in a row at Madison Square Garden, like is your writer gonna be like, I get the blue jelly beans, I don't well, do no, Trump. What's, what's gonna happen is. Well, my writer, we're gonna work up some President Gavin Newsom material, and what, it'll be nice. very easy. Because Newsom is uh, kind of like Will Arnett, you know, he's like very rich depth kind of guy, and he he I love the feud between him and DeSantis. You're like Ron DeSantos, that's what he calls him, Ron De Ron DeSantos. I mean, this guy's a bully. This guy isn't who we are. When you look at California and the state, we what we're doing. You look at Florida and how he's a bully. I mean, that's not who we can be as a country. And I, I love doing doing him. So I, I'm evolving. I, I see who's next in mm -hmm. the in the political spectrum and that's how i get down but trump will always be fun to do because he's very specific in the way he talks right <laughs> but i was just in miami and i was doing my ronda santos so they enjoy that so these things evolve yeah and speaking we're of we're skipping Gavin... over biden you might notice by the way you know what it, biden's a hard one you can, do you do a biden um listen folks come on man what are we doing i gotta work that one's tough for some reason I don't know why I had a joke about that, which is I don't really do a Biden because every time he speaks, it somehow feels muted to me. And right. it's like, even the State of the Union felt muted. It was strange. Just just say over and over again, you know, and my dad said to me, Joey, Joey, like he says that yeah, all and the then, time. And then just say, and then say, read the prompter. <laughs> Next line. <laughs> uh, is there uh, as a 24 year old, uh, you, yeah. not me, um, is there anything that's off limits these days in our era of being politically correct there are the people you can't do um 
I have a teenage daughter. My, if I try to do a dialect of another nationality, she just like beats me over the head with a woke stick. Yeah. So is there something no, that's that really interesting? You can't do. My thinking on it is, in terms of impressions, which is different than just pure stand-up comedy, but in terms of impressions, my belief is, if you're doing the voice and you're doing it in a live stand-up act, go for it. If it's vocally accurate, like if it's true to the person, I think then you can do it. Do not do things to make yourself look like the person if you are <laughs> doing an impression of someone who is not the race or ethnicity that you are. Like it would not be cool ever to do like blackface or something. Right. But I do an Obama impression, but I'm doing the, you know, I'm getting the his essence and the vocals and stuff like that. But I think that would not be a cool thing at all. Like not okay at all to do something like that. Um, but in terms of the, um, in terms of what else is off limits, um, you know, I mean, I'm Gen Z and I'm a comedian, and you know, everybody hates my generation in the stand up. But I think um, uh, because everybody thinks like you can't say anything or whatever, that's what that's what they all think. But I think. There, there might be some truth to that, like where people are getting too maybe offended by just jokes or things that people are saying in comedy clubs. But I think at the same time, if you're just like making fun of, you know, someone's race or something or just like talking about something along those lines, you're not really being particularly inventive. Right. You know, like you're not really adding anything new. You're just trying to get like a stupid, cheap laugh. So if you're doing that in like a smart inventive way um which you can do then i think that can be cool if that is if that's making sense i don't know if that's mm -hmm. making, but yeah yeah no no it um, makes total sense it's a I, different landscape we're, I think in, we're traversing these days with youtube and social media like comedians can make money on their own and you know like you know they can just kind of say what they want and put it out there and they'll have their fans um you know it depends on what your style is yeah well i mean you know the times changed and for the most part rightly so um when i was yeah. when when i was talking with judd apatow you know i i, I brought up who you know, judd apatow he's a director yeah 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 <laughs> i was just riffing with you <laughs> yeah bill Hader does a hilarious judd apatow impression. <laughs> He's like, he always sounds like he's sick. He's like, oh, that's funny. That's funny. I got I got to work on him too. <laughs> Bill Hader, by the way, is his brilliance is that he picks people that no one would ever think of. Like to do the Dateline guy, Keith Morrison. Yes. <clears throat> and then yeah, he, he takes I, it to a place that is just so funny. I also do Bill Hader. I do an impression of Bill Hader, actually. Let's yeah. hear it. <laughs> yeah, I do Bill Hader accepting a compliment. And uh, and then he just like, confuses it with old movie references. Like, and, and then he has his laughs. He's like... <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thanks, man. That's really sweet. Really exciting to meet you. And uh, hey, by the way, have you seen On the Waterfront? It's a great movie. One of my favorites. Marlon Brando. So cool. <laughs> uh, by the way, yeah, From Here to Eternity, great film. I love Frank Sinatra. Really exciting to be here. And uh, yeah, when I was on SNL, I was always writing with Mulaney and really making cool stuff. And <laughs> He's got a nasal. He's got a nasal as well. Yeah, um, I love Hater. So, and the thing with Apatow is that we were talking about, you know, how comedy has changed. And uh, I said, one of my, my favorite comic of all time is Richard Pryor. And he ha right. Pryor has a bit where he in, uh, imitates a, he does a Chinese stutterer, a Chinese waiter stuttering, which, you know, yeah. if you're sitting and listening to it in 1974, you know, it's funny. But in 2022, can you do that? And, and 
The answer is probably no. You can't do that because uh, it's just not. I mean, to all the points you mentioned before, it's it's just not cool to do that. So comedy seems to have changed so much over the years, um, and it's just a, it'd be an interesting place to be for a guy like you. You know, at twenty four, coming up, like navigating through that space, you know, carefully. Yeah, you know, I mean, like the example you just said. You know, like if I saw like some white guy doing that in a comedy club, like I don't personally, I don't think it would be that funny. I mean, like, you know, like just like from my perspective, mm -hmm. like when you see an old clip of it, like maybe in, in the context where the studio audience is laughing, like it might be funny. But, you know, now, like the other issue is just everything is just so saturated, like where there's too many people trying to become comedians now, you know, and everybody wants to have the same thing that we all want to get noticed and, you know, be a comedian. So I. I don't really look at it in terms of like what's okay to say or like being afraid to say something. I just look at it as what are you saying and like what is the substance behind your material, you know, because I think the most important thing is is just like being good and like being funny and, and getting laughs. Right, right. A um, couple more questions for you before, yeah, we, please. before we end. Uh, your street encounters, like when you see John yes, Oliver, yes. are you guys like texting yeah. each other like, okay, meet me on the corner of 48th and Madison, or is that completely spur of the moment? So I, I've been I've been talking about this in my standup. Uh, I've been getting to meet a lot of the people I've been impersonating recently. Uh, and uh, I met Andy Cohen, John Oliver, Rami Malek, Sebastian Maniscalco, Liev, Schreiber, a lot of these guys. And... Uh, it's been crazy because there was one like week long period in November last year where I saw three of them in like 10 days. Uh, Just walking Andy around Co the streets of New York. Andy Cohen, I was walking down the street and I saw this silver fox guy with the tightest short shorts on I'd ever seen. Clearly just finished a workout with a sexy Ukrainian trainer, Stanny, if you know, you know. And uh, he looked at me and I looked at him and he was in the middle of a selfie and he goes, wait a minute are you the guy who does me? And I was like, yeah, I am the guy who does you. Yes. He goes, and Howard Stern, right? And I'm like, among others. And he goes, well, let's fire off of it right now. So I take my phone out. And what happens next is unbelievable. I whip out the phone and I, I play plead the fifth with him, which is his iconic talk show game from his, his show, Watch What Happens Live. And I say, Andy, what do you think of this Andy Cohen impression? And Andy goes, you know, um, I don't have a problem with it. You're young, you're cute, and you're Jewish. Amazing. Yes. And then I post the video on TikTok, and I noticed the recurring theme in the comments. To summarize it, they definitely fucked after this. Now, that was, I didn't say that. That's the comments, <laughs> you sick people. But, uh, well, you know what? You, was... you could have fucked worse, probably. Uh, that sure oh, my God. Say that. Well, well, uh, so Andy happened and then John Oliver, we were at the same comedy club one night and I went up to him after and we got a video um, together. And then um, Schreiber, he Jeff Goldblum, Goldblum was the the best one ever right. where I was doing impressions of him uh, in the pandemic, of course, doing voices, making videos. And I have a joke, which is that everybody in the pandemic learned to do something like you learn to make bread or learn to make bread. And in my case, it was learning to make Goldblum. I was just doing videos of Jeff Goldblum doing every activity imaginable. Goldblum and vacuuming, putting on a condom, opening a banana, <laughs> doing whatever you want. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and he, ga he gained awareness of the impression and shared it on social media. It was a video, I think, of Goldblum putting on a face mask. And then I bought tickets to see his show in New York. 
He was performing with his jazz band, the Mildred Snitzer Orchestra uh, here in New York. And uh, I bought a ticket to go with my sister. And uh, and I messaged with his wife, who who said that, you know, they've been laughing at my impression of him. And um, and I didn't know if I was necessarily going to meet him. But uh, I'm sitting there kind of in the second row in the center uh it, this very cool jazzy speakeasy type club in new york and then after a few minutes this this sensual creature just floats into the room wearing a white tuxedo and silver hair just looking regal and you know just like something you've never seen and he comes in and he, the music is playing in the background the jazz and he floats onto the stage scans the crowd with his gold bloom eyes and he looks around and then within about a minute and a half, he stares at me and he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, my golly. Wait a minute. Yes, yes. I know you. I know this guy. Wait a minute. I believe this guy. He does very funny impersonations of me and Rami Malik and many other people. Come to the stage for a minute. And then he brings me on stage and uh, I start doing him to him. I think he was freaked out because I was out gold blooming him to himself. And I actually had a throat lozenge, which he is a big fan of. For those who don't know, he carries them with him everywhere. And I gave one to him. And and uh, and then we did a whole thing backstage. And it was crazy. And uh, <laughs> and then I went to the Jurassic World premiere. And I'm doing him on an upcoming episode of The Simpsons. Yes, so. I was just going to say, speaking of Goldblum, baby it, Goldblum. crazy. Well, tell us about baby Goldblum. <laughs> It's Jeff Goldblum as a baby. It's like two lines, but I'm still very enormously grateful and, and excited to to be on that. It's pretty wild. So what's next for the young Matt friend? Has SNL come call? I mean, you got to be on that show. You you would be like the best thing in years on that show. Well, well what, thank you. What's, um, what's you next know, for you? You know, that was always the dream. Uh, my old social media handles were Matterday Night Live. I, I've since changed them. Um, but, uh, you know... If that ever happened, uh, that would be really cool. And, um, you know, that would be a dream come true. But can't be married to it, you know. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I'm doing my own thing. I'm Right now, I'm doing a lot of stand-up. That's the focus, doing this hour. I think, it, you know, a goal is doing next year, doing a late-night set, like Tight Five on, on The Tonight Show, mm -hmm. doing more voiceover, acting, doing shows in other cities. Um, I was just in Miami, but, you know, going to D.C. and, you know, throughout the rest of the country and probably taping a special. Um, I'm starting to do more kind of hosting type things. I was just at the Emmys a couple weeks ago interviewing celebrities before the Vanity Fair party. And it was great because some of them actually knew who I was, all the Always Sunny guys. <laughs> so that was very cool. Um, so now it's just kind of incrementally building. And every day I'm just trying to do something mm -hmm. and I'm performing every night multiple shows a night mm -hmm. just kind of hustling and doing my thing so we'll see where it where it leads if i were you i would at at this stage i would spend half my day sitting in starbucks enjoying my anonymity because i have a feeling that in a few short maybe a couple of years you're probably not going to be able to do that anymore that's my guess that you're going to be in a much different bigger place because someone with your talent uh you can't stop it it's a rocket you know it is a rocket so um before i let you go here uh we do in the back room all really do like to get in uh get a window into someone's soul uh, the yeah. cat the cat dog thing is important but uh music is even more important so yes. I, i'd like to ask people um 
who their top five artists of all time. Uh, you're young, so this is risky. You might not go back bef- beyond like I, 2019. So I'm going to see. I'm going to test your your knowledge of music here. So yeah, go well, for wait it. for me to move the camera over here. Do you see that portrait, <laughs> that picture right there? Frankie, I noticed it before when we yeah. first started talking. I, uh, you know, I'm an old soul, uh, so I obsessed with Frank Sinatra. Um, do you do him? Completely obsessed. You know, that's actually one that I talk about because no one can do him. I mean, right. I've seen people attempt, but I do Michael <laughs> Bublé, like, hello, friends, I'm Michael Bublé, and it's so great to be here. Oh, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. <laughs> like, he he's different, but, um, you know, Sinatra, that's years of Jack Daniels and, and, and pain from Ava Gardner and uh, just being a freak genius but why don't you watch joe, Pos- joe piscopo doing sinatra yeah joe he was a tough guy thing but he made no his can own sing- he can do a little bit of the speaking voice but in terms of the singing no one right. no one has ever been able to do it except frank sinatra yeah. jr oddly no, sounded still, a little still, bit like his dad many people are saying that's why he got kidnapped right no but anyway <laughs> so niche so niche but um Frank is number one. Uh, my favorite Sinatra song is is actually no one really ever said it's "Call Me" um, on the Strangers in the Night album. Not "Call Me Irresponsible," but uh, if you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service. That song, I love that. Right, I was just doing drums. Um, yeah, thank you for the drums. Uh, so Frank, you want top five? Top five. Frank uh, is number one. Um, oh my god. This is like impossible. Um, actually, let me go on my on my on my recently played here because this this will help me. My music is truly so all over the place. Like I'll be listening to Frank Sinatra, then I'll be listening to Aretha Franklin, then I'll be listening to uh, Def Leppard, and then the Cleveland Show theme song, and then <laughs> Rafi, <laughs> and then Jack Harlow and Phineas. Um, I do listen to a lot of like I do like the big band stuff. I oddly enough, like I do like to hear like a lot of the Seth MacFarlane stuff. Buble is great, but you know I love like Coldplay. Mm-hmm. Um, I really really like. Um, like <laughs> I'm working on Chris Martin. Like I love how he answers questions about how he makes songs. It's like the most simple answer. It's ridiculous. Like Howard Stern, be like, so talk to me about yellow. Where did you come up with that? And Chris will just be like, um, you know, I was um, I was uh, sleeping. Then I went for a pee pee, and I'm when I peed, the song came out. It's like, how? What are you talking about? Like, so what, you made the song when you were urinating? Tell me about. I mean, I was peeing in them, and uh, it sort of just happened, you know. <laughs> like, it's like insane. Like, so I, I love Chris Barden. Uh, let me just answer this concisely. Sinatra, I think. Uh, oh God, the Beatles. Uh, I'm I'm huge with. Um, uh, love Stevie Wonder. Uh, Marvin Gaye, um, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. Well, <laughs> I'm like all, right. all over the place here. You are an old. I soul. really do love it all. Yeah. Neil Young, Bob Dylan. Hmm. You know, I'm kind of all over on that front. Well, I, ju- I mean, yeah. You just literally I, I, you did I, give I, us a window I, into your soul, so thank you. I do love Phineas. I'm not just saying. I really do. And he, I, it's funny because he's been he's commented on a few of my videos throughout the pandemic. And uh, yeah, he's a guy I wanna I wanna tell how much I love his stuff. He's great. Well, maybe we'll we'll do this with you and Phineas sometime, and you you can try to impersonate him, and he can do his <laughs> thing, and try to do Trump, and it'll be, be crazy, fantastic. it'll be wacky. I'll have to get you down before then, but yes. 
good luck getting me down. Uh, yeah. You're not going to impersonate this voice. There's nothing to hang hey, on Hey, James to. Taylor, too, by the way. James Taylor is the one that I love as well. Yeah. Because of my parents. James Taylor is a... Yeah. I, I do singing impressions, which I'm not going to do here because I need music. But James Taylor and Bob Dylan are two people I do. So anyway, that's for another time. Matt... And country, too. I like oh, country sometimes. Right. Like, you know... Baby, like them doors and turn the lights down low. <laughs> Can you do, uh, do uh, what's, uh, uh, I got friends in, who's that? Uh, Garth, right? Isn't that Garth Brooks? Garth, Garth Brooks. Yeah, yeah that one. That, well, who's the guy with that, the really deep voice? The really, really. Josh Turner? No. That one's Josh Turner. Uh, oh, yeah, I get very deep. A guy like know. that, yeah. Yeah, Matt, thank you so much for doing this. You've been a real trooper, giving us so much of your time. You're incredibly talented. Uh, we are, uh, Matt, Jen, uh, the, my team here, we're all big fans, and it's been a thrill to have you on. We hope you'll come back uh, maybe the day after the election, and we can you know, celebrate the Democrats keeping the House and the Senate. And- I... I would love to. We can do a little thing after the election. I'm going to be going crazy uh, after that happens on my Instagram. The Matt Friend. So yeah. that's where I'll be. <laughs> we'll do a little t- McConnell and Ted Cruz and those guys, uh, you know. Oh, my God. Crying yeah, in their we'll drinks. A little, so. a little DeSantis post-Hurricane Ian. We'll see how he handles this. Yeah. Thanks again, yeah. man. This is great. Thanks for having me. Alrighty, Take care. So there you have it. Episode 18 in the can. I want to thank my co-producer, engineer, and editor, Maddie Rosenberg. Our Jane of all trades, Jen Hamoud. Or Hamoud. Hamoudi, as I just learned today. Um, Cricket Langell for our logo design Andy Hollander for our kick-ass music Patricia Wind and the Epicurean for the Backroom Studio and a big big thank you again to our guest the very talented Matt Friend so keep your eyes on Washington Hollywood and your own backyards and we hope you'll join us again next time have a great week <laughs>